Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to Off The Beaten Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. I hope you're all doing well. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. And, well, I've got a really good episode for you today. Um... It's the man from Moax. It's it's Uncle. It's it's James Lavelle. Super excited to get an opportunity to sit down with James. Um his work's been something that has never been far from my headphones. Uh I found the uh the the recent docufilm, The Man from Moax, to be one of the most inspiring things uh I've I've I've, I've ever seen. I, I thought it was absolutely magnificent and and so yeah I was felt absolutely blessed that I got a chance to to go to James's home and 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 sit and and chat music with him uh, before we get on with the episode um big thanks to Screwius Pip and everybody at the Distraction Pieces Network um thanks to 76 uh, my producer for producing this um and yeah I think that's it we can get on with the episode so please enjoy it off the beaten track Mr. James Lavelle. I've got an announcement. Save Our Souls Clothing. www.sosclothing.co.uk Why am I telling you this? Because they're our official sponsor. Yeah, that's right. Go and check them out because their clothing is off the scale. You're going to love it. So they've decided they want to be our sponsor, which is amazing. And what I have to do is I have to tell you about why they're amazing. So here's a little bit of blurb. So they've only been going a year, and they're based in South End on Sea, just up the road from me. They put the company together based on a, a love of tattoos and alternative music, and they've worked with some of the greatest artists around the world to produce these items of clothing that are as unique as you lot. All the designs are printed using biodegradable, sustainable, and water-based inks. And in addition to that, they only print on garments made by members of Fairwear Foundation. I mean, come on, great clothing and a conscience. Since going live in April last year, they've seen their audience grow massively and are now selling orders all across the world. And they were recognised by Cosmopolitan magazine as one of the best sustainable clothing brands alongside names such as Stella McCartney. I mean, that's quite a first year, right? So, go and check them out. Because they've put a lot of love into supporting this podcast and I couldn't be happier. What else they've done is they've given you 15% off. So if you head over to www.sosclothing.co.uk, do a bit of shopping, see what you like, 
throw it in the basket, and then on the way out, put in the discount code BEAT15. B-E-A-T-1-5. And that'll save you 15% off. Amazing, right? www.sosclothing.co.uk Official sponsors of Off The Beaten Track Podcast. Let's get back to that podcast. It's Off The Beaten Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whipping. Okay, we're recording. Uh, I'm sitting in Hammersmith and sitting up with me today is James Lavelle. Hey. Hey, Dean. Good, thank you. Thank you ever so much for giving up your time today to come no and do this. Um, this is uh, really excited to do this. It's, uh, I've been, uh, I'll get it out of the way now. I've been a, a fan for a long, long time. And uh, so it's, it's nice to be able to sit here and, and talk about some records that have been important in your creative journey. No, it's my pleasure. Thanks, sir. <clears throat> okay, so we always start with the song with the greatest intro. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been a bit of a one. Um, so I've been sort of I, all these questions are always really hard, especially when you like a lot of kind of a lot of different kinds of of of, of music. Um, and so and and also sort of intro depending on the kind of records depends because some things can be very short if it's a kind of more of a rock pop kind yeah. of record or when you're getting into sort of you know progressive house records and stuff like that you can yeah. do a whole different you know 20 minute intro but um so i've sort of been i was sort of thinking a lot about records that i you know that that that, that have that you know immediately come to me and it can you know from things like you know from pink floyd to I don't know, a record like U2, Streets Have No Name at the beginning is pretty an amazing um, intro or a lot of sort of great funk records, James Brown records. There's a lot of good house records and techno records. But for me, I was sort of thinking of something that had just this sort of the impact of something where you really feel like you're... Well, I mean, most uh, I suppose that's a lot of intros do, but something that for me is sort of completely sort of takes you to another place and you know sort of sets up your the scene and sort of your imagination in a way that kind of you know you feel like something amazing is about to happen and so I think for me it would be you know what's used in as, 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 a, as, a, as a classic intro to one of the I think the greatest films of all time which is the intro to 2001 and I think so it's um Sprach Zarathustra and it's basically I just think one of the most powerful pieces of classical music that kind of but as an intro and it's sort of what it what it does where it takes you and the power of it and I think especially that it's sort of now it kind of immediately takes you into a sort of science fiction place and also how you know, amazingly, a piece of music can be used in in, 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 in in film or as a as a sort of as a juxtaposition as well to take a classical piece of music and a very famous piece of classical music like that, and it then sort of suddenly becomes synonymous with the unknown. Yeah. Um, but I just think it's I, for me, sort of thinking about so many, you know, so many records that I think, you know across the board but that record I think particularly is just there's just something about it instantly there's something very powerful about the moment that introduction starts do you remember the first time you heard it? 
Yeah, when I, I think, I mean, I think the first time that it's made an impact on me was seeing 2001. And when I was younger, you know, you, you had record stores, you had video stores. And those were the kind of cultural, the counterculture places that, especially at the age that I was, where I probably saw that for the first time, that had an impact on me. Um, where I focused on it, I think, was probably around, I was probably around 12. And at that time, you couldn't go to, you know, there wasn't a lot to do. You know, you could sort of hang out with your mates and, you know, maybe sort of BMXing and do that and you'd have to come home and it was video and music was your sort of, that was everything really. And going to the video shop and hanging out and sort of discovering things as, as well as, you know, record stores where you don't want to spend time in there because they were, it was, you know, there was nothing else to do. Sure. So <clears throat> you'd spend hours and hours and, and, and you'd sort of discover you'd look for obscurities and things that might you not know, might not have known you you know things that come out you know before um you know so you were sort of discovering certain you know periods of film that was becoming interesting at that age going into sort of teenage years and science fiction and sort of kung fu movies and and a lot of action movies and you sort of had that kind of a lot of classic film came from that that hadn't necessarily performed well at cinema um, that you discovered like Trons and Blade Runners yeah. and you know it's where you discovered everything from John claude Van Damme to Apocalypse Now you know sure. Bruce Lee to to you know uh, sort of I suppose there was a lot of there was a lot of kind of B-movies and stuff going on as well and then also you had the whole kind of getting things that were banned and that whole period of the clockwork oranges and the evening and the Texas chainsaw massacres and, and I suppose at that age it was your it was your window to something older and discovering things that maybe sometimes you weren't meant to and yeah. you know and and was you drawn to the sort of darker stuff as a kid um I don't know if it was not. I was all, I was very drawn to sort of science fiction and cinematic things, and but I was really into kung fu. And most of the a lot of my video watching that time was watching a lot of kind of, you know, drunken master Jackie Chan movies, Jet Li movies, yeah. um, and um, Bruce Lee. You know, so which weren't particularly dark. I don't yeah. think. No, not at all. But they were quite imaginative. You know, in the sense that there was sort of this element of sort of weird. You know, especially the sort of drunken master type thing, where there was this sort of there's quite a sort of mythological element to what's going on, yeah. and um, and I was always drawn into that. I was really before music, I was really into martial arts. So and actually, martial arts. Uh, the more I got into it, the more you realise it was very synonymous, particularly with black music, and you know you can see that in a soundtrack like for Enter the Dragon sure. and what Lala Schifrin did, you know. Um, but also sort of hip-hop. And so, and, and, and where, where I went to go and start doing martial arts where I grew up in Oxford was, I suppose, considered sort of slightly more the, the more dangerous part of town. And you would, you know, for me, I was coming from sort of North Oxford, which was more middle class, and I was going to Blackbird Leeds and Cowley and places like that, which are a bit more, a bit, bit rougher. And, you know, so you, would, you were mixing with different kind of, a lot of different kids, you know, and usually older, I was kind of the youngest, and, they, and all the kids I remember really, all the people that I was sort of looking up to at the time doing martial arts were at Kung Fu at the time, 
were really into sort of what was going on in I suppose the emerging world of dance music. So it was early hip hop, but at the same time you'd have early Chicago house and, and then and British house records, and then you'd also have a lot of influence from bands from Manchester, what was happening was sort of Happy Mondays mm -hmm. and the, the, the scene that was developing there with artists like 808 State and The Roses. So we're and talking late 80s? Late 80s. So like 80, like I would have probably started, well, I would have probably started around 86, 87 doing martial arts, but the, the, high, the heyday for me, because of sort of being 14 and having, being able to sort of have more freedom um, at that age, you know, was 89 was the sort of, the, when it really, really all happened for me. What did you, what did you take from martial arts? So I've, I've done it all my life as well. Right. And, and I, I'm just always interested as, and it's aside from music, always interested as to, as to what people take from that. Well, I was, I was really into, um, the history of martial arts and I was very into sort of the theology, I suppose the sort of theology side of it in a weird way or the sort of not, I wasn't, I did a lot of contact martial arts when I was younger and I got, I, I, I got injured fighting young um, and I just, after that I kind of changed my perspective and got really into the, the, the idea of what the history and what it meant as more of a sort of discipline and an ideology and so I took a lot of I suppose in many ways it was my first intro into sort of spirituality. Okay. The idea of there's, there's something that was very powerful historically, uh, what it really means if you get in really into martial arts. You know, martial arts is way deeper than fighting, mm -hmm. it's philosophy and it's studying, it's a study of philosophy. And, and it has elements in Buddhism um, and other. You know, um, Taoism and, and, and Shinto, depending on where the martial art is from, um, depends. But, but, you know, generally, you know, a much more meditative and open idea and, 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 and not sort of, it's not your, the, the religious elements and the sort of spiritual philosophy elements are not coming from a sort of growing up as an English kid with, you know, uh, uh, Christianity and those kind of that that look on life. It's a more it's an Asian, and and therefore for me it was a it was an it was an incredible way of discovering um, uh, different ideas about about life and what life meant. And I studied I I studied actually to go to China when I was thirteen fourteen. Wow. I was learning Chinese and I was going to go and study at Shaolin Temple, and that was my whole thing until really music kind of took its grip. Yeah. And that was really sort of DJ culture and seeing things like bombing and the fact that, wow, this, you could maybe be part of this, you know, seeing things like Wild Bunch and, 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 and uh, Soul to Soul and, you know, things happening in the UK in a way that it wasn't just the sort of things that you might get a glimpse of on the top of the pop pops or, on a street sounds compilation, it yeah. was happening here, and it was down the road. Yeah, and um, that that you know, and with that lifestyle, you know, sure. suddenly going out and going to clubs and going to dances, yeah. and sound system things, and and going to London and going to Bristol and 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 experiencing that side, it, it definitely. 
you know, once you started raving, <laughs> it wasn't the it wasn't the easiest thing to maintain yeah. the martial arts in Completely. the same way. And and so, you know, by about eighteen, nineteen, you know, I kind of moved on. But it's it's something that's always been very part of my sort of just I think who how I've lived my life and 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 and, and has had a huge influence on me as a sort of as in 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 Moax in in music in an art it's sort of all of these little pieces of your childhood you know before that I was really into Greek mythology and so there is there's a kind of I can see now this is intense older. stuff for a very young man. Yeah, James. I was pretty intense. I yeah. think I still am. Um, but I was very into Greek mythology. Then very into martial arts. I then I was also my my grandmother was a, a piano and cello teacher, so I was learning the cello from her. And and I came from a very academic a musical family, so there was that was in the house. It was it was it was very artistic. It was very liberal. It was very open in in many ways but it was also very my parents had gone to oxford so there was this you know it was part of the fabric of growing up that you were experiencing a lot of um <coughs> excuse me you were talking about things my dad had studied greek classics you know my mother was an artist so those were subjects that were being talked about in the house and my father was a musician and my grandmother was a musician so music was around so at the age i am now where I, I've definitely, I think, from going from quite a roller coaster, and you know, I, I detach myself in many ways a lot from my family to a degree, or Oxford, and going away from that and coming to London and moving on is, I found, and I think it's just one of those things where you get to, and maybe an age thing, it's just sort of looking back and trying to connect these dots and and sort of seeing that actually, okay, the mythology and the martial arts and all the landscape around that and music and da, da, da and when you put it into the context of one's work I can see how all those influences have been I mean I found it quite interesting that I, my mother um, put together um, uh, some boxes she, when she moved house a few years ago uh, of stuff that when I was a kid and in one of the boxes was a load of stuff where I'd made all these books about Greek gods and drawn all these pictures and you had things like they were these big books that I'd made as a sort of eight-year-old and you had things like the Medusa but I'd made a foil wrapped page so you could see the reflection and I'm looking at it going it's like packaging you know you're already yeah. interested in art and design yeah. as a young kid and I didn't think you don't think about that until you suddenly yeah. see these clues later on and so all of that stuff has been very very uh, sort of it's been a big influence and also I think the idea of really sort of going deep into something you know to me it wasn't about martial arts wasn't about I didn't want to be Bruce Lee and I didn't want to be fighting I wanted to know where these different styles Come came on, from. Come on we all wanted to be Bruce Lee. Yeah, yeah that's true <laughs> but in the sense of what my session became about was more that you know for most a lot what, what whereas a lot of my contemporaries were more about hanging out and the sort of more social side of it my side became more about going very deep into the history of things and i think that's been you know and when i look at what when i when i was into mythology and then how i got into music it was incredibly sort of um sort of uh i suppose what's the word um I just threw myself so deep into it, you know. Kind You're of obsessive. obsessive is the word I'm looking yeah. for. You know what I mean? And, and 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 I think and I can look back and go fuck when I was 
I was obsessed with then, and I, yeah. but, but about certain things, you know. And so music and musicology is really important to me and, and the world where I, knowing where things come from and where it started. And, sure. and it happened in a weird way. If you look at then getting into club culture, you know, you have this period where you're buying these records, these contemporary records, you're going out. You know, I was going out to, on one side, I was really into Giles Peterson and, and Wild Bunch and Soul to Soul and Norman Jay and Shaken Finger Pop. The other side, you know, me and my friends were you know, 14, 15, 16, and we were discovering rave, and we were going to, you know, early energies, and, you know, um, uh, perceptions, and, yeah. you know, da-da-da, and doing that whole thing, and, 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 and you know, it's sort of, so, I've always, so it's sort of this thing of joining all these dots, but after that, I got really into, you know, by finding out about records, and that was some sampling, and da-da-da, and it's sort of, so I see quite a lot of parallels with how that side of my, you know, my youth kind of has influenced my work later, you know. Okay. For track two, James, the first song you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you. So, again, it's interesting because, you know, I, I with, all, with a lot of these questions, I, you know, my, my career started quite early, so I had quite a big impact you know, early with, you know, hip hop and, and, and sound system records and electronic records. And, and, but I'm sort of trying to think about more maybe before that, like not the, the typical thing of answering questions where you're like, yeah, you know, there's the, those periods which were the kind of the, the moments that defined you in one's career. Mm -hmm. But going back before that, you know, I was sort of trying to think like, what? What what record can I remember that really you know or, or songs or pieces of music were were really powerful that stuck with you as as a young child you sure. know as a young kid and with my dad you know there was a lot of jazz and and Stevie Wonder and um, uh, sort of Deep Purple you know quite a cross section you know from Queen to Deep Purple to Stevie Wonder to John Coltrane you know and that was always around and you know memories of all these sort of you know great records that you'd hear and 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 records you know v v pieces of vinyl and and you might you know i remember there's always in you know in you know my mum my and dad would have they had they had a sort of sitting room and then we had our me and my two brothers had our kind of our 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 our, our, our place where we'd hang out on the tv and you know records and toys and there was always a copy of you know a seven inch the beatles magical mystery tour seven inch there and sort of you know but uh, but my connection with Film has always been really powerful, and and that's where I think that the first moments of where re music really connected to me in another way was from film, and and as a kid, you know, you you didn't you know you got fragments of things on television. There wasn't a great deal of stuff. You know, you'd come home from school and you'd have a school window of television uh, for a couple of hours. And then Saturday morning, you had two or three hours on the TV. And sort of Sunday, you'd have a film in the afternoon, and they'd be classic films. And, you know, it could be anything from the guns of Naz Navarone to Lawrence of Arabia. You know, a lot of it you think was really boring, because you just wanted to have, you know, because what was going on at the cinema would be maybe the Goonies or yeah. Star Wars or yeah. whatever. But films didn't come on for television. For, you know, Star Wars didn't come on for television for like three years if sure. you were in the UK. It'd take a year and a half for a film to come to the UK. But the one thing that we, you know, that I love watching was James Bond. And that, those, those sort of, watching those early James Bonds and how, 
powerful the, those opening credits of 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 um, James Bond records are, and 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 those the themes and 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 they really had a big a big impact. And I think you know again looking no sort of looking at how I've always had a lot of sort of classical elements and orchestral elements in my records sort of going back to these sort of hearing John Barry scores. Yeah. So I think for me, one of, the rec one of the records that really powerfully, you know, hit me, and I think is still, you know, is, as an artist, is he just made some of the most beautiful records ever, you know, maybe one of the most beautiful records ever. But um, for me, it would be, um, uh, so yeah, it would be Louis Armstrong, We Have All the Time in the World. Um, and I just think it's one of those just most beautiful, you know, beautiful, beautiful records. But I just, it really... Reminds me of sort of being a kid and being... Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Being an awe of seeing and hearing. What was the emotion? Just, I think just that thing of just how power, you know, this feeling inside of being kind of overwhelmed by how powerful yeah. something sonically. And I think, again, for me, the combination of, of visual and sound yeah. was very powerful, you know. And, and, and a lot of those, you know, just from that, you know, it's, I'm, I'm choosing that song because that's a really powerful song from that period and one of my favourites. But I think overall it's sort of that, seeing those films and hearing those soundtracks you know and James Bond was a massive part of that as a young kid you know mm -hmm. as a sort of eight nine ten year old you know um, as well as you know one of my you know 2001 and going back to that or another piece of music which became incredibly powerful in my life and was was you know the, the was Adagio for Strings which was the first time I think I heard that I saw that was with Platoon completely you know so that combination, I think, has always been, you know, even I suppose when I'm seeing, you know, I always feel like I heard hip hop, but I saw hip hop for the first time, was what I yeah. remember. I saw kids breakdancing. Yeah. You saw Grandmaster Flash or LL Cool J or, 
you know, the Beastie Boys on top of the pops. You sort of saw me, yeah. you know, because because you didn't have radio playing yeah. those records, really. You got what you, you know, where I grew up, you didn't. No, like, likewise, you know, we, you know, we're, we're we're the same age, James, and 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 like you say, you, the, the, I'm sure we'll get onto the Beasties a bit more shortly, um, but it was it was seeing them. Um, Street Sounds compilations in the windows yeah. of record shops. And, yeah, I mean, and the, the artwork visual, you know, was and so yeah, and the record, yeah, seeing things in record stores. I mean, and, you know, in the window, walking down with your parents, and that five minutes where you kind of run off and you're like standing there, or you, you know, as a young kid, they were powerful, you know. The, I can still remember 20 or so kids in a playground because someone had a copy of Subway Art. Yeah. And oh, we, yeah, it yeah, was yeah. like, what's oh, this? Oh, yeah, this book. I mean, that book was like a religious... Yeah. It was like the Bible. It was. You know, I mean, it really was. I mean, I got... I remember we got thrown out so much out of art class for, you know, being... what Like, getting... Trying to read Subway Art or Spray Can Art when you were in a sort of yeah. lecture about, you know, you know, the school lesson about Matisse or something. Yeah. You know, it was like, this is... You know, it was... But also, I think, it was quite... You know, visually around you, the landscape was quite great mm. in a sense of what was, you know, visually. And, and so when you saw records and, and video and performance and these little, these little moments, you know, I mean, we got, my mum got a colour TV because she wanted to watch Brideshead Revisited. That's so, <laughs> you know, that's like, it was later, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, colour TV, you know, most of it, you're still living yeah. in a period where a lot of TV is black and white. Yeah. Your computer games work. You'd have, you know, BMXs, maybe computer games. You know, your Spectrum or Commodore. Yeah. You know, Atari if you if you were lucky. You know, and but but you didn't see it everywhere. There wasn't yeah. like you didn't walk outside and it was suddenly like now you're you, you know you're exposed to so much visual content. You couldn't go on YouTube and watch Beat no, Street, no, could you? No. <laughs> and so they were. It, it was it was visually very powerful because you were looking for something different. And yeah. I think that was it. You were, you know, my, my sort of getting into more, as a young kid, electronic music is the thing that really changed my life, whether that be hip hop or, or dance music or, you know, house, techno, electro, whatever. It was that you knew it was something new. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and, and I, I remember growing up when a lot of the kids, you know, people were either sort of, there was a lot of kids who would be into like, the Cure, the Cult. I mean, I love, you know, I love the Cure, but at the time, you know, sort of seeing that, and there was the sort of goth thing, and then all people were talking about the Beatles and Jimi Hendrix and Led Zeppelin, where you're like, or Pink Floyd. I remember going around to kids' houses and you'd be like, put on Pink Floyd. You're like, wait a minute, you know, there's like, if you've not heard, like, if you've not seen Grandmaster Flash or yeah. something, it was like, this was like something, the future, you know. It was otherworldly, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, and, and so. I think for me, it was a, as much about hearing something because you didn't know what you were hearing. You yeah. were just like drawn to it because it was something completely mm -hmm. new um, and different. But also because at certain points it was cool and that's, you know, and you wanted to be in the gang. You had to be in a gang. You had to choose which gang to be into, yeah. you know. And, and for me, that was the gang that was, was very interesting. But it was sort of seeing stuff as well as hearing, you know. So while we're talking about school, Track three is a song that reminds you of your time at school. Yeah, so I mean, the, musically, the thing that changed my life was hip-hop. And, and, and remember going, I went to three schools, and the second school I went to, I remember going in and seeing the first day of school, seeing in the school hall people breakdancing, and, you know, Tashini's tracksuits, Puma Dallas, 
ghetto blasters and hearing you know records like Egyptian Lover, Smurf, you yeah. know, um, electro records, and it just being like this is mental. What what the fuck is this? This yeah. is amazing. And and then you know you had you started getting artists that were coming through, and there were moments where hip hop just exploded. And I suppose you know you had you you kind of had singles first, so you'd have. Records like Dougie Fresh, The Show, yeah. that was a really big record for me. You know, Bang Grand, on Top of the Pops. Yeah. You know, you had uh, Grandmaster Flash, Melly Mel, you know, those records coming out, Bam, Africa Bombarda. Uh, and then you had, I think, the, you know, really the moment where it became next level was the influx of sort of Def Jam. Hello, I've interrupted the podcast again, haven't I? Sorry, it won't take a sec. All I want to say is, the songs that we're talking about in this podcast, if we can't play them, it's just because of the regulations regarding playing licensed music and such. So if you want to hear the songs, just go over to Spotify and search Off The Beat and Track Podcast and you can listen to all the songs because I've put playlists up for each of these. If you can't find it on there... I'll send links on all the social media accompanying each episode. So you've just got to press that one button and you can go through and you can enjoy all the songs that our guest picks. Anyway, I'll shut up, get back to the podcast. See you on the other side. And you had LL Cool J, but the band that just ripped everything, just destroyed everything. I mean, actually, in, in, in more ways than one, a lot of cars got destroyed with Beastie Boys. Yeah. And, and that was just like some other shit because it was you were into that music but then it just exploded and everybody so the, the landscape everything you know what you decided to be you know you're being in this sort of weird tribe and maybe you know people thinking you're a bit weird suddenly what you're into is the coolest shit yeah everywhere the language you're speaking everybody wants to speak that yeah. you've been down before them and the beastie boys come and it just changes everything and i think that you know that was as a as a a pop moment for me. That was my, that was my, my, my pop moment. That yeah. was like, you know, I, I didn't, I was, I didn't, I wasn't into two tone because I was too young. If I had an older brother, and you know what, I'd hoped I would have been. Yeah. You know, but I wasn't doing Spandau Ballet and Duran Duran either. Yeah. Even though they made good records, I was yeah. into fucking Elwood Cool J. Yeah. I was into the Beastie Boys. Yeah. And I remember one of the 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 the, the hardest moments of my my young life was not being able to not knowing that my cousin was going to see Beastie Boys LL Cool J and Run DMC at uh, Brixton Academy and I couldn't couldn't go you know yeah. and stuff like that but it was a pop moment it was a part of a moment of being into the music but it was also just when it exploded and yeah. you know the classic thing at school was you know you had the you know I might do with a VW sign but it was it, the, the next level of that, which became a, a worldwide epidemic, was, you know what, we'll, still, we'll get our own VW signs because you can buy them anywhere. So where do you get them? You got them off the car. Well, then maybe we'll get a more expensive car one because then we can really show off. So we'll get like, you know, maybe can you get a BMW? Yeah. Or can you, you know, and then it's sort of getting to the level of can you get a Rolls Royce? Yeah. The thing with a Rolls Royce, though, is that it always it had the coil attached to the thing <laughs> so if you try to rob a Rolls Royce you yeah. get fucked but literally this sort of everything you know that whole time of like me and my friends just trying to rob cars 
trying to take, you know. Everyone went out of a screwdriver, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, <laughs> and, like, and then taking it to another level, like, you know, one of my friends stopping a car, you know, like getting it to stop in the road and rip the sign off it and get the guy to chase it. You know, <laughs> Pretty like bad to, See if you could get away with it yeah. and stuff like that. And there was definitely a few beatdowns that went on yeah. then with getting caught with, you know, and, you know, but the main one was sort of was Mercedes logos. Yeah. That was the one that most was, was the sort of one. And I think, I think what happened actually, thinking back to that period is that all the car companies started producing them and just selling them in the garage. So you could just, really? Yeah, you could actually just go and buy one because the damage which was being done yeah. globally to people just getting there. And, and like I said, a lot of them you'd find you'd rip something off but you'd have a wire attached yeah. to it. So it wasn't that. And you were yeah. just mashing up expensive, yeah. well, just cars everywhere. Because of this hip-hop band that yeah. forced their way into pop culture. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy, yeah, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, I've been very lucky that I met and worked with them and, and, and have seen their journey and they're an amazing band and you know it's very unfortunate about Adam Yauch um, but what they have all done as individuals and as a band and coming out of because it, it did become pop and it become it became you know it became out of control um, and for a minute you know that that was what the Beastie Boys represent for for a long time, and where they came, how they came out of that, and what they ended up doing is pretty extraordinary and phenomenal. But if you go back to that record, what I love about that record, if you listen to it now, is and what you forget, and if you listen to the Beastie Boys, you know, um, or read the book, or they 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 have an audio book. Mm -hmm. When you get into the history of that record and some of the tracks that are on that record, and what I want to play now, I think is one of the greatest hip hop records ever made and has had a huge influence on millions of rock records after to this day, sample-wise and aesthetically, is slow and low. And what you have to remember with the Beasties is, is that, you know, Fight For Your Right took, its own, took on its own life and, and part of their own, you know, behaviour, which they, they would admit to as well. But, but you forget that for a moment some of those, those, some of those early records that they, that on that record were like, they were hardcore hip hop records. And when I first started going to New York, and I don't know if it still exists now, but there used to be this thing called, was a, there is a thing, or was a thing called Rocksteady Jam in the Park, which was organized by Crazy Legs and um, New York City Breakers. And it was a, it was a kind of a, a yearly event where everybody from hip hop would come together in, in Manhattan. And you would, you'd, you know, there would just, it would just be this cultural event where everybody hanging out and you'd be hearing all these crazy classic hip hop records and that everybody would be breakdancing and graffiti. And, you know, the first time I went there was the first time I saw the Beastie Boys. They're just hanging out and there's, you know, Westwood's over there and there's, you know, Tribe Called Quest over there and there's, you know, whatever, you know, Bombard and da da da. I mean, it was like that. It was like, I mean, oh how God. fucking exciting was that, James? Yeah, it was extraordinary, you know. And, but, but being in places like you knew that the records that were being played that day were like, they were the records. These are like, this was a day of celebrating hip hop culture. Yeah. And you hear these records and you'd hear, you know, uh, Apache, um, you'd hear KRS-One, you'd hear, you know, um, I mean, endless lists of brilliant hip hop records from, from, from the golden days of early hip hop. And, and you know, slow and low, was one is one of those records. Yeah. It's a fantastic and important and brilliant. But it also reminds me of just you know being it's of that moment of being a kid and and and, and sort of being 
you know, those first days of being, you know, being naughty and getting yeah. into trouble and running on trains and, you know, going into, you know, you didn't have subways, but you'd have like, you'd go to the train yard and yeah. break in and try and paint a train and get chased out and caught and money you make, you know, and it was just that period of all that kind of youthful, you know, especially, you know, boys getting into trouble. You it's know. pretty punk rock, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was, it was a moment, you know. Um, and it was, you know, that, that, that sort of, I suppose, became the, the, the beginning of my, you know, my journey really into sort of that's where I went. I, I became a b-boy, you know. Well, from one track, which I'm sure Slow and Low was the 808, wasn't it? It was an 808 on Slow and Low? I'm sure it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah they were all, it was all, it was, yeah. all um, it was all drum machine. And then I think it's on this track as well, which is, um, we're going to ask James what the first song you remember buying from a record store was. Um, yeah, interesting. Okay, again, I'm going back to, I get asked these questions, some of these kind of questions a lot, yeah. and some of them not, which is what's interesting about this. And I'm trying to sort of think about it. Okay, so I started buying records in the record store, you know, first it'd be tapes. You'd have compilations, street sounds compilations, which were compilations of, classic American hip-hop tracks that had come out on 12-inch that weren't being domestically released in, released in the UK. Um, so mainly independent releases and a lot of electro. You had early hip-hop records coming out, Fat Boys, you know, uh, you know, sort of Grandmaster Flash, Bombarda, etc. But these were all sort of cassettes. That, and, and, and I sort of see myself as the first record I bought in a record store as a DJ is slightly different. You know? Sure. I mean... I can remember the first records I bought in London when I went to Bluebird Records on the Edgware Road. I bought Dexterous Nightmares on Wax, They Came in Peace by Tranquility Base, and Paradox Jailbreak. But the first, the sort of first period where you're talking about things like Beastie Boys and getting into records and tapes and buying things, owning stuff, buying with your pocket money for the first time, you know, was buying sort of seven inch singles mm -hmm. and records that were in the charts. And so, I, I did a toss-up, but the one I, I kind of want to play, I spoke about Dougie Fresh before, but actually what was very interesting at that time was that you had, you had rap records in the sense that you had rappers on records, and that was predominantly being dominated by, the UK, by America, mm -hmm. and a little bit of stuff happening in the UK. But you had this emergence of weird other sort of electronic records and sort of sample records, mm -hmm. kind of, you had records like Art of Noise and, and, and sort of, Steinsky and people like that, but the record, the record I remember which buying as a seven inch and really blowing my mind and being sort of, you'd buy a seven inch, you know, you'd buy a couple of seven inches from the top 10 or whatever that you like because you had to then go to a party, somebody's party and play it on the record player or whatever. And for me, it was Paul Harcastle 19. And it just reminds, you know, that it reminds me of starting to buy records that I liked and that were, you know, seven inches and sort of starting to get into the idea of how, then taking these records and putting them, on, putting them into cassettes and taking them on with your mates and playing them out when, you, when people are trying to break dance in the street or stuff like that. And yeah, I just have a fond memory of that record. You know? And looking back at, you know, some of your earlier choices that are sort of synonymous with film, the video to 19 yeah, as, yeah. A, as a sort of 14, 15 year old kid, it was around the time of the aforementioned platoon and lots of Vietnam films yeah, that were being yeah, made, yeah, and it yeah, was yeah. it was quite a dark video, wasn't it? It was yeah, like yeah, it, it yeah. was, it, uh, you know, I guess 
it created probably my first knowledge of the Vietnam War. Yeah, was totally. Probably yeah, that no, and, 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 and so, yeah, again, visually, these things did sort of, there was, you, you got more out, in many ways, I think you got a lot more out of the connection between visuals and sound, sound, songs and record covers, maybe because yeah, yeah. just of that period than you do now, that it could really engage you in quite a, uh, in quite an amazing way. So yeah, I mean, thinking about it now, having this conversation, I'm like, I remember seeing that video now, and just being, you know, seeing that on top of the pops, and, and it and it not being a band. It's not a bunch, you yeah. know, because you got to remember that it was very band orientated, and anything else that wasn't a band was quite. It was always sort of a little bit. It wasn't. It wasn't the centre of attention. Yeah. You know, really until I'd say the last ten years or yeah. fifteen years, bands have always been the dominant visual force. It's quite interesting you say that because I, I watch a lot of the retro Top of the Pops on a Friday night. Yeah. And it's around nineteen eighty eight at, yeah. at the moment. Yeah. yeah. And and you can see the the emergence of dance culture. I mean, I think I think I think. 19 is a bit earlier, right? Might have been 87. I think it's like 87, 86. Oh, really? It's a little bit earlier, yeah. And when yeah. you watch them periods of like sort of dance music starting to sort of explode, live-wise, on top of the pops, they didn't know how to deal with it. Because no, because it was like, because also because they used to have somebody being on a guitar or singing. Yeah. Or, um, you know, so you see these things, and it was really, it was really interesting seeing a video. You know, a video was really, really an interesting kind of, you know, it was it was you know, it could take take you into a completely other world, and it was such a sort of there were certain videos of that era as well, which were so powerful. You know, you get into the sort of Peter Gabriel sledgehammer. You know, it was an interesting. All that time was very interesting. What was what was going on with sort of record. You know, sort of exploration in sound and video, and yeah. how that was connecting. I was just trying to look when when. Um, 19 was but i think it's got to be it's got to be around it's, it's got to be early mid mid 80s um i wonder when it was i think you're right 85 85 yeah that's what i'm thinking because if i bought it as a seven inch then it's like yeah. it's 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 early yeah so just while we're talking about school did you enjoy school uh not particularly no no, okay. I didn't really. I didn't get on very well with school. I, I I did okay, but I wasn't. I was, I was very distracted by all of this. To be honest with you, just really, I just, and I, my parents um, got divorced when I was twelve, and it was a pretty heavy situation and and a very heavy breakup, and it affected. My father moved out of Oxford, and my mother. You know, it was three kids. There was a lot to deal with, and my mother was finding it hard to deal with 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 us and the situation. And she actually got she had a very bad accident. And from that sort of period, I was I sort of was able to kind of disappear quite a lot. Yeah. And I wasn't, and and I threw in a lot of school. I wouldn't just wouldn't go and go record shopping and go to London. Do you make grow up fast? You know, I mean, I I, I sort of I, I think school to me was sort of. I was never great. I was always I was either the weird kid who was like I was into martial arts or into things that didn't connect with most of the kids that that were there. Did you have a, a connection with other students? Did you have a you know? I I mean it's funny because I met Tim Goldsworthy when I was ten. Okay. And he was at he was at my middle school. He was like a he was like a, he was older than me and he was he was already very sort of defined like rockabilly look. And uh, I sort of would hang, sort of try and hang around with older, older kids like that. I was, I was fascinated by sort of people with more 
that seemed more interesting. But yeah. I was a bit just a nerdy kid, and so I got bullied a lot. Um, and that's where martial arts became very. Uh, I became very involved, and, yeah. and to the point where, you know, I I managed to. I had to, you know, I had to kind of have. I go through the fighting at school to get to where at a certain point, you know, to sort of you had that classic thing where you went to a new school and you were the kid that did martial arts and you'd have to have fight the kid from the other school and but whether they were integrating there was always that going yeah. on and fighting and da da da. So I used I tend I ended up more sort of hanging out with with in the end of sort of my because I, I left school at seventeen but between fourteen and seventeen I was very much working in London and just not 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 really attending in the way that I was meant to. Was creativity encouraged at your school? Kind of, but you know, art classes, it was all about, you know, all of these, most things were still deeply sort of rooted in, in, in very much in the past. Yeah. And contemporary culture was not something that was very talked about, particularly in, 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 in school. Yeah. Um, and so when you're going to an art class and you're into graffiti, but it's deemed as being something which is a, a menace to society. Yeah. You know, a lot of the music you're into, a lot of the imagery that you're into, you know, I was, you know, also multiculturally, you know, it, it, it was a, a shift in culture. And, and for me, so what we were, what me and my contemporaries were into was not part of mass culture. And mass culture's perception of the Beastie Boys was front page news for all the yeah, wrong reasons, yeah. wasn't but it? But that was a moment, and that's what for me it was a fun moment. But 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 after that it, things changed, you know, and 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 sort of, you know, I most of the people that were into the records that are into and that were into you know the 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 culture are into were um, coming from different parts of Oxford where it wasn't necessarily. You know where my contemporaries that I grown up with, they, that, those weren't the people yeah. they were hanging out with. You know, you know, and and even my mum, my mum was very open and very liberal, but I think she was always a bit kind of still a little bit like you're hanging out with in Black, Black Leeds and Kidlington and Cowley. You know, like this is like, what are you doing? It's dangerous. You yeah. know, and at times it was. You know. Yeah. Um, but that was also exciting. So my 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 focus was very much on that, and I did find it very difficult with. I just wasn't engaged with school. Um, I, just, I knew from 14 that all I wanted to do was, was work in a record store, be yeah. involved in music. And by that point, I was, I was kind of, I was already doing stuff. I was starting to put on parties. I was starting to DJ with, with, with um, older kids. So I kind of was, I was kind of in that place. So at school, I was detached because I suddenly became, I was hanging out with, kids and people from other places and, and actually in a certain way I suppose that was my start my maybe the first walk into maybe feeling a little bit cooler like you were you know you know I'm not down with, I'm, 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 I'm hanging out with you know underground movement in yeah. Killington I'm going into town to, we're going to a dance later I'm buying, I'm buying records man you know you lot are like but for a long time up until that point it was very difficult didn't, didn't enjoy it at all but when you found <coughs> that and you started to put parties on and things like that. Were you confident in your abilities? Yeah. Yeah. You are driven? Yeah, very driven. Yeah. Much more confident then than I am now. I really? Think. Yeah. That amazing sort of naive confidence. Yeah. It's, it's weird. I, I, it's hard to remember quite a lot of stuff so long ago. Yeah. And, and, and also, yeah, it's weird. I, I don't know. I, you, know I, you go through 
periods of your life and, and in many ways you sort of there are elements that are always part of you but you also go on different tangents and sure. you know I'm finding myself where I am now trying to look much more back to those periods and sort of think about things and understand it and, and, and whereas for, for the last sort of 20 years it's just been this kind of constant real sort of constant sort of move anything move forward get away move you know just anything to sort of keep uh, being um, stimulated in a contemporary you know it's like it's not it's not a negative thing it's just like consuming constantly yeah. consuming for 20 years yeah. trying things out going off on tangents some good some bad you know da 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 but it's been a kind of roller coaster but but also amazing experience but you suddenly in the last few years I've suddenly been like because there's been a lot of retrospective stuff that I've been doing in film and, and looking at things like science fiction and and, and you know your sort of Moax book da 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 meltdown you're, you're, you kind of start going back into those places and you're also a lot of in the last few years a lot of relationships that I hadn't had for a few years but people that I used to hang out with a lot back in the day are suddenly hanging out with a lot more people that I used to yeah. from the past and so you're sort of and I'm sort of sort of made a bit of a decision to sort of be able to kind of stop and, and have a bit of time to sort of reflect and look at things and so enjoying but, it yeah yeah you know it's it, yes absolutely but it's meant you know but it's like you just realise like if you you know sometimes when you just keep going you don't stop there's a lot of information to yeah. decipher um, and yeah you know just it's it's thinking back about a lot of those periods in Oxford it's quite fragmented for me. It's you know, it's a lot has happened, and 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 you know, it's quite it's quite weird to think. You know, I've got a twenty two year old daughter. It's quite weird to think like, wow. You know, I talked to my, my my best oldest friend is is somebody that I've hung out with from those days. He was in a sound system that I joined. He was older than me, Matthew uh, Puffett, who's helped write some of the last couple of records, and we started DJing together as kids. I mean, I remember going to Killington. Kidlington Youth Club, and I was brought in by one person, he was brought in by another person that day, and us not liking each other because we'd been brought in by somebody else in the sound system. Yeah. And the first day you've ever played a record publicly, you know, in a fucking dance, in a club. It wasn't a club, it was a youth club, youth yeah. centre. But my God, that was. And Biggest thing in the world at the time, was, right? That was, nothing, that was probably the biggest DJ moment of my life. <laughs> um, but like, but. You know, we 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 spend time together and talk about it, and it's kind of we're, we're both a bit like you know, it's it's pretty mad. We, we were fourteen, fifteen, yeah. and you know, you're fifteen. You know, you're putting on parties. I was I was kind of end of fourteen, beginning fifteen when I started putting on parties. But it's fifteen. You're like getting away. You weren't even meant to be in a club. Yeah. You know, you you know, you're not meant to be DJing till you're eighteen. You know, I was you know, and 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 the, I think for. A, What's interesting with with my career is that that there has been different careers within a career in many ways, and most people will see my life from Moax, or more now probably from Uncle. Mm -hmm. But actually, there's a lot went on before Moax, yeah. and and that's the period that it's like a lot of lost things and memories and trying to put it together. That wow, at 15 you're doing these parties, and you have a record label. You're, you have a studio with Major Force, Howie B, Bjorks in there, you've got Lee Quinones for Cheryl, all these people coming down. And that's when you're like 17, 18, 19. That's crazy. And that's within a four, three or four yeah. year period. 
and it's so much stuff that I'm like, I, I sometimes I don't know if I am. Am I that? Am I James Lavelle? You know, yeah. like who is that person? Like, yeah. you know, it was mad. Yeah. With everything else, with hedonism, late nights, da 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 da. Um, so my memory gets quite fragmented. You know, I'm kind of like wow. I, or, or you were sort of like, did did you really? Did you? That any of that actually happen? You know, you get asked about these records, you're trying to think, you're like, is this all just a dream? You know? Well, I imagine Clubland, a lot of people don't remember their, 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 their greatest experiences in Clubland, but um, for track five, James, I'm going to ask you what the song that soundtrack your years in Clubland. Now, now obviously, you're still a DJ and, and, and Clubland is ongoing, but you know, but looking at the song choice you've, you've spoke of, I guess I'm talking about them kind of, sort of formative years. And Yeah, so again, I just sort of, I, I, you know, Clubland, I've been DJing since I was 14, 15, so mm. I've been in club, so I sort of think, uh, you know, that's a professional side. I can go on about the records, sound system records, you know, da-da-da-da-da, from through to Fabric, you know, Blue Note, mm. you know, lots and lots of, you know... Uh, Barumba, lots of iconic clubs as a DJ that I've played, and that's my. Those are years of my. They are my clubbing years. Yes. Yeah. But but in many ways, I look at my clubbing years before that because that was professional. Yeah. Or sort of trying to be yeah. at least. But my clubbing years were these. This pocket, sort of eighty nine, of going first going to what would have been discos in Oxford, where that you'd have a once a month hip hop night, and you'd get in. And you'd stand in the back and every, you'd be, it would be all the older kids and everybody would be running on the spot and dunk, jumping through their one leg and yeah. thing and, you know, doing, you know, breaking or whatever. And there was hot girls, but you were a kid and you managed to blag to get in there, but you just don't step on anybody's trainers and you'll be all right. And just stand yeah. in the back and listen to the music. And those were records like sort of, you'd hear sort of hip house records, you'd hear you know, Big Daddy Kane, you'd hear Heavy D and the Boys, you'd hear, it was that sort of period. Yeah. Dancey, fun hip-hop records, and with a little bit of odd, there'd be maybe a couple of house records because nobody knew what they were. Sure. You know what I mean? And a few, and some soul records, you yeah. know. There'd definitely be like Sybil in there or, 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 or Karen White or maybe, um, you know, Shannon Let the Music Play, that yeah. period, right? But, that was sort of a, a little window, but my, the moment for me of clubbing, what I see is clubbing, not going to this, a, a disco, yeah. you know, because of that period, clubs hadn't turned into what they have now. Sure. They'll come on the back of discos or live venues. Mm -hmm. This is like, what was clubbing? Clubbing to me was raving. To me, that was my, that was the experience that changed my life of, of what I think is club culture my experience of, of that and that was as I said earlier going to things like perception and outdoor raves in, 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 in sort of Oxfordshire and, and, and around places like that sure. um, and hearing these records that you you know again you know, you'd had hip hop but then suddenly you're hearing again this moment because because there was this incredibly wonderful thing called ecstasy that came along, that this combination of that and music and what you were experiencing culturally, it was, you know, something that was, it, it is just a moment in your life where it was, it was, there was nothing else like it, where the walls came down, you know, you'd be in a car driving 
to a gas station to phone a, you know you go to London you go to MASH you'd get a card of a party <laughs> you'd get a number you'd get in a car nice shout out to MASH to there James you'd go to a, you know you'd go to a a, um, a phone box you you know a gas station you know garage sorry uh, and you know, and then suddenly there'll be 10 cars and then you drive further and there'll be 20 cars and then by the time you get there, there'll be 200 cars and then you get there and you were in a, you were in like, it was like close encounters of the third kind. It's the moment, you know, you might as well have been, you know, aliens had landed, you're in a field, there are, there are lights, there's circus rides, there's, there's, it's, 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 it's it's bad boys. It's 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 everybody coming together. It's it's multicultural. It's and everybody's smiling. Yeah. And there isn't even a bar. It's just you're just drinking water. Yeah. And you are dancing for fifteen hours, and you are hearing records that are you just cannot explain the power. And so for me, a record that just you know, even when I think of it now, when I think of it in that context, and there's a few of them, but this, I think, is one of the great moments is 808 State, Pacific State. There's just, just nothing like it. When it's an incredible there. record. Yeah. And, you know, just, you know, records like that and Orbital and Unique 3, you know, and, and you know, classics like, you know, good times or you know I mean another great record would be something like Rhythm is Rhythm Strings of Life or whatever but Pacific State I don't know I just felt like there was something so British massively British definitely. you know it was the moment that record came out yeah. that it went from these strange American records coming out of Detroit or New York to this is this is something happening that is they had there is a, there is there was something that was just it, there was a b boyness about it there was a, there was a it was UK it was it was it was just something else and the landscape that that, that moment and that with 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 the sort of influence of of of, of Manchester and and you know bands like this, you know that's how I got into a band Stone Roses or Happy Mondays I didn't yeah. really like bands before I like hip hop yeah. but I didn't like bands no I they had a groove like, though didn't they yeah and 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 that moment. I remember just, yeah, when the first time I heard that record, it was like, just nothing else. I mean, you know, it was on the kind of sounds. You've got, you know, again, you've got to remember, like, you would go to a, a nightclub. I didn't grow up in London. I didn't grow up in Manchester. I didn't grow up in places where you might be more exposed to, to that. You know, these initial years, you're growing up in Oxford, you're 14, 13, you're, you're, I was hanging out with older kids, trying to get into clubs. They were, they were, they were discos. And the sound systems were disco sound systems. And so they're trebly fucking whatever, you know, and you'd, you'd be lucky you'd hear, you know, there'll be a, a moment in the evening where you'd hear maybe a couple of commercial hip hop records that are out, you know, maybe Depeche Mode or something that was happening or, or you know, Lisa Stansfield or some cold cut record, yeah. you know, chart records that have gone in the charts, yeah. like dance records that have gone yeah. in, cool records, but a bit of roses, da, da, da. but you suddenly went into this environment where it's like sound is like unreal. Like there's sound, there's, 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 there's just the sonic of it, the, the spectacle of it, was something else. And 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 you know that those moments were very powerful. You know that and and the sort of sound system, seeing things like Soul to Soul and Shock Sound System and, and stuff. But that was just 
that was the moment that, for me is when it, it was me, you know, when I was actually going to things like Soul to Soul and seeing, you know, going to Shake and Finger Pop and all that, I was going on my own because all my friends were into dark house music and techno yeah. and raving, you know, you know. And so I sort of had this weird journey where I'd go to London and, and I was still living in Oxford until I was 17. So I'd been working in record stores from 14 to, to that point and staying at my, my aunt's house occasionally, whatever, but usually I was going back home. So on a Friday night, I'd work in Honest John's, I'd be working at Bluebird and I'd have my records, I'd go back home, get the bus back. And, you know, I wasn't going to, you know, I was going, to, my friends were going to race. And that's, so that was a kind of, that was club, that was a social kind of, yeah. that was a show, real social clubbing experience in my way. It wasn't about, it sort of wasn't my, it wasn't, I mean, it, it was to a degree, but it wasn't so, so sort of, trains what we're doing it was just experiencing yes. this thing you know it was a it's it was part of your social environment you know and it was where we all came together and it was where we did our first drugs it's where you know we really bonded as 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 as, as kids as as and and these very spirit you know it was you know it, she's playing it was spiritual man it was like yeah. the love the you know, i remember taking my first day and 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 having to go home the next day to my mum and Sunday lunch and having to sit there through Sunday and I couldn't eat and then having to go, you know, to go to this one, you have the one pub where they play, you know, these kind of records and you go there on a Sunday and going through all that stuff and oh, really great, really amazing times and really incredible ways of how people came together. I mean, you see it in documentaries, you see it where, you know, it really, you know, the walls, you know, came down, all that, you know, you were very exposed to football violence when you were young, you know, as a, as a, as a young man, I think most, most kids in that time were, and, and it was, it was nasty, and, 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 you know, all that just went, it was just like this moment of, like, yeah. of, and it, and it, and it also just sort of, it, it was sort of expanded your minds. It was, you know, it was, it was, it was an incredible moment in time, you know. Well, to take it back to Oxford, while, we, while yeah, you've mentioned your, your home county, for track six, James, um, a favourite song from an artist from your home county? Yeah, I mean, I, I, <clears throat> I was desperate to get out of Oxford. Oxford didn't really mean much to me, other, you know, when I was sort of, especially... 16 you know 17 when I was working really kind of in it um and the scene in Oxford you know you had like I said there was the racing there was some interesting drum and bass you know coming out and, and raised well more rave stuff happening and DJs and stuff but because Oxford was between Bristol and London really that that those scenes were very dominated by those cities you sure know? You didn't need, you know, so if you were a little bit older, you'd just jump in a car like my mates would and drive to London for the night and drive back. It's only an hour away. You know, so, so a lot of things, you know, if anybody, you know, Savvy, who ended up in Fresh Four and then in Full Cycle, he was in Oxford. And I remember seeing him as a kid and being like, my God, he's one of the coolest people I've ever seen in my life. But he went to Bristol and then did Fresh Four. That's what usually happened. People would leave and go somewhere else. And the scene that was really happening... Was, which was really starting to happen was was the big thing in Oxford was all the student union live venues like Jer Jericho Tavern and it was all live bands and I just wasn't interested whatsoever yeah. um, and it was bands you know the rides and, and, and a lot of the shoegazy stuff that was going mm. on and, and you know I like those bands now but I'm just yeah. talking about just that period where you know that was not, not in, it wasn't interesting so 
and for a long time, you know, it, I left and Oxford really didn't have much musical weight in my life, um, really until I was about, I must have been probably about 20, 19, 20 maybe, when I'd heard a record that I liked. I liked, you know, I, I, there would always be certain records that you hear, like, uh, that were, you know, this was quite, it was quite a divide between listening to rock and band records, traditional rock and roll sure. records, pop records, and what was going on in dance and hip hop and that area of music. And, but, you know, we were, I was open minded and, and I liked, because of, especially because of samples, my, my, my world opened very much because of collecting samples and, 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 and getting into, you know, and quite a breadth of music DJing with people like Giles. Peterson, but it was very much still about discovering funk and soul and jazz, and so it's much more black music. And then you had odd, weird records, but they were like, because they had a break, yeah, you know. Um, but I remember hearing, you know, there were certain bands, so Nirvana was a band, you'd go like, you know, I remember living, when I lived with Fraser Cook, and it was like, have you heard that band Nirvana? Yeah, fucking that's just wicked, you know. But there was this, I remember hearing this one single on, on this band, um, and I liked it. You know, it was it was an interesting record. I, I tended to like sort of the, the, the it was sort of the way the groove and the guitars were. It was, the sh guitars were shocking, and it was by a band called Radiohead. It's called Creep. You know, and at that moment, that record was kind of a bit of an anomaly. It wasn't a cool record. It was a record that blew up in America. Mm -hmm. You'd see it on MTV, but it was just I just remember it's like this is it's interesting. But I didn't. That was it. Just Creep, and and then. You know, I got, you, there was sort of, you, there was this thing where Moax was starting to get much more into remixing and remixing band, you know, interesting artists were starting to contact us when I started doing Uncle. And band Radiohead contacted me and were like, look, we've got this new act, we've done this new record and we'd really like you to hear it. And, you know, would you be interested in, maybe doing a remix. And I remember me and Tim being like, maybe about Oxford. You know what, fuck it, we're both from Oxford, might be interesting, let's check it out. You know, and I like yeah. that. The Creep single was good, you know, it was cool, it was interesting, but it seemed, seemed like a kind of one of those one hit, one hit tracks that you see on MTV. You know? Yeah. And uh, he sent me Planet Telex and, and the album, I think, and we were just both like, oh fuck. This is amazing, you know. Benz, it was like, wow, and they were really interesting in the way that they were approaching bands like, you know, people like me and Tim, and it's like Depth Charge, and they were sort of record. This record was sort of this weird fusion of elements of electronica. The way that for me, I was always very beats driven, and the beats were really good, and yeah, just something completely seemed something very unique, and 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 and. You know, so for me, you know, Radiohead are the band that really, I suppose, band that have really remind me of Oxford in so yeah. many ways. Because in one way, I remember hearing about them when they were doing Jericho Tavern and stuff like that, and it was like, fuck that. Yeah. I'm not going near, I don't want to yeah. be anywhere near, that's just that period of time. Yeah. I'm not going to, so those gigs, we're going, yeah. we're going, you know, we're, we're going on the motorway to, you know, somewhere yeah. all night long. 
Um, it just wasn't in my, you know, you like the goths were cool and the and the, and the indie kids were right because you could get if you if you couldn't if it was a last resort, you might better get drugs off them in in, in some cases. <laughs> so you know, if you were cool with some some of like yeah, some of some of the you know, especially hallucinogenics. Yeah. You know. So, you know, the goths, you get some acid off or whatever, you go into, you know, and they were always in the posh parts town, it was all right, you weren't going to get mugged, get in there yeah. or whatever, you know. And that was all right, but you just didn't really mix so much. Yeah. And, and these are very small windows of time, but they're very yeah. formative windows of time. And so I remember just Radiohead being like, fuck that. And then sort of, I remember hearing, seeing that, tra hearing that track and being like, oh, it's cool. It's like, really? Okay, whatever. Not really thinking too much about it. And then, the the bends you know we did this remix and the bends happened and the bends became this great record of discovery where lots of people just it was a slow burner and it was yeah. a record that really kind of over a period of time it was one of those records you'd be talking to people like oh you I like that you like that radio yeah I like that record and 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 it it was the beginning you could feel with with you know I then became friends with you know or or you know we hung out a bit you know I used I had you know early periods of hanging out with Tom and. You know, and it was, they were really interesting and, and it was a moment where you could just feel that something was about to happen with yeah. the band, you know, this band. And, and, uh... That one-hit wonder. Yeah, that one-hit wonder. <laughs> so I'm going to play Planet Telex because we remixed it, but also because I think it's a really interesting track off that album. And, and I, interesting enough, I was, I was sort of going through it and tr trying to choose and I realised that I was actually going to remix, I love Nice Dream and I was going to do a remix of it, but it's in like... Seven, eight, or five, four, or something. And it was just like I remember Ed O'Brien sending me the tapes and being like, "I think I'm going to find this one difficult." And I didn't, and it never happened in the end. I think I've got a multi-track of it somewhere. But we we did this remix. But but uh, but I love this. I listening back to it. It's such a it, you just you can hear in this record and and then that album that something is about to happen. And it was an amazing journey to be part of. I I ended up. You know, doing the DJing the OK Computer tour. You know, Tom ended up recording on, on uh, science fiction. Um, you know, the 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 you know the first track on 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 um, OK Computer. The drums are credited as a as a as an ode to DJ Shadow. You know, it's quite it's quite a amazing period of time, and also bands to have to have to have sort of been around and and to this day. You know. I saw Tom recently, um, just randomly. Um, it's great to see him, but to see what they've, you know, these records that they make and over this period, over these years, and how that influenced and actually, you know, they've always been right at the right at the forefront of of experimenting with electronic music in in the same way that, you know, to me a band a band like that before might have been something like, you know, you had bands like what was going on in Manchester and the Happy Mondays. It was a bit more. It wasn't necessarily as it was a bit more. Acid House. Yeah, definitely. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, or the Stone Roses and bands like Depeche Mode. Mm. I think what Radiohead did is, you know, they they sort of ended up going the Mowax route with it in many ways. It was the sort of more the Heads route. It was the more, definitely. it wasn't the techno house dance remix. It mm. was the alternative, stuff, which is what we were doing with, with electronic records, whether yeah. it be DJ Shadow or the Funk Mob to... You know, Richie Horton, they were, we weren't putting out the same records that Defected were putting out, yeah. or do you know what I mean? Or yeah. Ministry of Sound, um, or even Talking Loud, you know, we weren't, they weren't so commercial. And, and, and that, you know, so I, I'm very, I'm, I'm, I, you know, they, they are they are amazing, and it's amazing that they came from Oxford, and it's amazing that maybe, 
like with my with the influence of Oxford being this sort of historical epicenter of history and 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 the and the 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 the, the, the of knowledge Oxford is very much something about knowledge sure. and the respect and the understanding of knowledge and knowledge is key in everything in in, in, in anything whether it's from art to cooking food to you know fixing your car knowledge is one of the most important things we have and let's say maybe Oxford you know being you know one of the sort of the, the chakras of knowledge in the world you know it's interesting to see a band like Radiohead how they come out that they are this sort of they became they didn't become the rock and roll band they became the music the, the band of musicologists that took the sort of everything about rock and roll and 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 and, and me, making music you know and 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 how all of those things are fused together i think from our generation that is the band that has probably taken the knowledge and made it into something very it's very cerebral you couldn't know? agree more you know? agree more um and 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 that's it's quite interesting you know um sort of that's sort of you know that's part maybe that sort of oxford influence you know yeah. you know false quenches they're sort of they were they were all uni there weren't they and then you sort of see that they're kind of quite cerebral and how they're kind of pulling all these things and Ride and Mark Gardner is really, you know, they, they're very cerebral, you know, there's something yeah. about this place of knowledge and the way that people, you know, uh, talk and the sort of way that the communication is there that you can hear in certain kind of yeah. records, you know, it's, it's very, it's quite considered. <laughs> Definitely. Thought. And there's a sort of, a lot of you can sort of go to, especially a radio record, and there's a sort of, there's something that feels there's classic, there's experimentation. It's a bit like, you know, a great, you know, it's sort of, it's like their records are like a sort of a Homer or, a, you know, there's, there's something very, it's, yeah, it feels like knowledge to me. Definitely. Like and beauty, mean. you know, in mm. that, in craft, you know. Anyway, that's my, my Radiohead moment. Well, <laughs> Um, for your last song, James, uh, I want you to tell me about uh, a song that many may not know that you would like them to hear. And I'm aware when I sent this over, this sometimes causes confusion with guests. Yeah. Um, he wasn't sure if it was either a, a sort of guilty pleasure or, or what is it he's actually um, turning someone onto a record that they may not have heard before. So yeah. you can throw them both in if you want. Oh, yeah. I mean, so I thought it was guilty pleasure or something that you sort of thought that people might not think you like. So I, I don't know if I should give it away now. but <laughs> Because, again, it's really hard on that sort of thing because I kind of like everything, but there are certain, you know, there, there is one artist, one record, not artist particularly, but a record that I love, that I really love. But it's the, it's sort of, the artist is everything that you were, you were sort of the antithesis of everything of your, yes. you, of when you were a kid, you know, yeah. of that period. And it was just like the idea of ever being into somebody's record like that was just like blasphemy. But that yeah. record was Tiny Dancer by Elton John. So but it's a great film record. As well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, um, but leaving that aside, uh, something that people haven't heard before or I think they should listen to. I mean, it's very hard because you can get very train spotty and there are some incredible songs. There are incredible songs that are lost or hard to find. And even though these days, not so hard to find as much mm -hmm. as it used to be. Things that have incredible elements to them that are special but, 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 and, and, and very sort of unusual or, or define something or makes you know it can be in, you know but 
you can get very, you know, it's, you, they tend to be sort of moments or, or songs for me. They don't tend to be albums. You know, like Van Gelis, Make It Happen. If you know Van Gelis, but you don't know his 70s, 60s stuff, you go and listen to that Terry Callier, you know, um, Tiny Dance, you know, sorry, um, uh, 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 God, Dancing Girl. You know, incredible pieces of music. Um, but, and so I find it quite hard because the, you, there's, a lot, there's a lot of stuff that, I, that, that you could throw out that people should hear. And I'm into a lot of different kinds of records. But I think for me, I was just sort of trying to think of as a, as a record and something that was really important in my, in, in, in sort of my wanting to become a musician or a, not a musician, make, you know, have a collective do this sort of, you know, you have the blue lines, mass and tap, that's, you know, very, you know, there's sort of these eclectic sound system, sample, collagic records. And, and then you have a record like, you know, that I was fortunate to be involved with, like a DJ Shadow or, you know, a Porter's Head or Max and Quay, Tricky. These records are very important to me because they were records where I was kind of either starting or being inspired by or just the beginning of me being involved in making records. And I love more than anything else sort of this these, the, the, these, these records that came out of a certain period of time in the UK, sort of eighth between, sort of starting around 89, 90, Soul to Soul, you know, Massive Attack, Bomb the Bass, Syndicate is a great album, um, uh, you know, and later on Tricky and Portishead, but, but a record that I think is very overlooked and I think is an incredible album, I think one of the best albums of, of, of the 90s. And, you know, was, had, a, had its moment, but seems to have, when a lot of people talk about, you know, they talk about those periods, they tend to focus in on, on records like Massive Attack or Porter's Head or maybe a DJ Shadow record or whatever. And, and, and you know, we're talking about earlier, like, you know, certain, certain things get overlooked or they seem to sort of not become part of that document yeah. of culture. You know, we're talking about earlier because you're from Essex, Depeche Mode like that. You know, you think about how many people get accolades and blah, 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 and it's amazingly, you know, how, how things get in, in the, the picture of sort of cultural picture that sort of becomes the, what, it, what was happening that year or yeah. that decade. Do you know what I mean? You know, you've got to remember, I mean, back in the day, what, 350, 500 records come out a week? So a lot of records come out in yeah. a decade. You know what I mean? Um, so, but I think for me, I, just as a piece of music, is what it what it meant to me working in Honest John's, starting to DJ in London. Um, probably one of my greatest mentors and heroes. Started to work with Giles Peterson and what he did with Talking Loud, which was an incredibly influential um, period of my 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 record buying. Uh, as a label, I wanted my wax. I wanted to work at Talking Loud. You know, I wouldn't. I couldn't get a job, so I started my wax. You know, and and became. A DJ partner with Giles, you know, and I think Talking Loud is very overlooked in that way. You know, people constantly go on about Warp and 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 and, and labels. You know, brilliant labels. Don't get me wrong. You know, um, as an example, but they don't. But Talking Loud doesn't. You know, it's it doesn't seem to be when you open. You know, Q magazine or sure. some retrospective. Yeah. I don't know. You know, whatever. I don't really read. You know, Mojo or whatever. Yeah. You know. it tends to go on about quite a lot yeah. of the same factory and da da da. Of course. You know, exactly and, and you know, and 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 that's okay. But talking now was incredible. And so the record for me is Young Disciples. A road, you know, the album A Road to Freedom. I think is an incredibly overlooked, brilliant record. 
Um, and it has one of my favourite pieces of music on it. Of I think, you know, for me, it's sort of everything that I love in a record. It's a suite, it takes you on a journey, it goes through different moods, different styles. Um, and that's a track called Freedom Suite, which is, and it features, you know, this album features, you know, incredible um, artists from Master Race at that time to get an American New York hip hop artist on a record through to the amazing vocals of Carleen Anderson, you know, um, daughter of Vicky, Vicky Anderson, you know, coming from the whole JB's heritage, you know, and, 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 and I just think, you know, Marco and Femi made this one record, they never made another one. It's sort of just one of those masterpieces for me. And that tracks the journey, it's about 15 minutes, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I just, you know, I love, I love records like that. And I think it's just that, you know, as a piece of music, as a, sing, as a song that it sort of is an album in one song and as an album, I think it's a great record. And, and believe me, it's a hard thing to, to, to say because there's millions of records, but that record, just as far as culturally, where I come from, what I, what the, you know, what I was trying to do, what was influencing to do Moax records, to, to be into sample culture and collaging and, you know, it's that and Blue Lines, and that's the one that got lost to me. Okay. So, what's James Lavelle doing now? What's coming up? Uh, good question. I, I've, I've basically had a pretty busy year. You know, I had the, the second part of the road, uh, Beyond the Road, this, um, I suppose, is probably the first immersive album experience at Saatchi, and uh, touring. I'm pretty, I'm a bit, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of tired. <laughs> I'm taking a bit of time out to sort of creatively recharge. Um, I'm working on science fiction. It's sort of my. It's the next. It's the thing that I. It's I'm focused on finishing. To, well, not finishing in the sense of getting it out into the world. Yeah. That, 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 but that baby needs to leave home. Uh, it's been a long process, and I know it's frustrated a lot of people. But um, it's frustrated me even more. Yeah. I can guarantee you that. But that's sort of. So I suppose there's that, and yeah, just I don't know. I I just put out a track with Fabric. I'm quite into the idea of. Um, I put 20, 21, 22 track album out this year, and it was, it was, it was. I don't know if 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 I probably might now retrospect would have done it differently. I quite like the idea of maybe just putting out some bits and not overwhelming so much stuff. I think we all find it difficult to engage with yeah. too much, and I think that in retrospect, I, I I feel like I kind of. Puts you know you, you put so much work because it's not just the music it's it's all the surrounding work that goes around it and you're like it, it kind of it it, it 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 I just kind of want to be able to kind of experiment I think a bit more and how I experiment with what I'm doing and not put the pressure so much onto me that I've got to put some album out or how that's going to work and how the beginning middle and then end and done I just I just want to kind of be able to be a little bit creatively free and just try some things out. And I really enjoyed putting this fabric track out because it was the first time I've done a club track in a long time. And it was it was sort of just done as a it was just the experience of just making this thing and not and not I don't know, it's just quite free it was quite a free nice experience to just kind of it wasn't a song in a traditional structure. It's just it's fucking around a bit. So yeah. I'm kind of into having a bit of that just to clear my my head because it's I felt very much like everything's right in front of me because it's been, you know, pretty much since Meltdown to now, it's been project after project after project. So I'm just sort of trying to maybe get a bit of, catch my breath a bit, you know. Wonderful. But we'll see. We'll see. You've earned it, mate. <laughs> so, James, thank you very much. My pleasure, man. Absolute pleasure. Thank you. 
there you go. James Lavelle. It was uh, it was a wonderful chat. Uh, he, he was James was really welcoming. Um, we we hung about afterwards and and and, and chatted some more. Um, and it was it was just a really really lovely opportunity to sit down with someone who's creative output um i've been a massive fan of and and i hope the excitement i had for doing this interview come across in it um and you've got as much joy from it as what i did right i'll see you next week if you enjoyed uh this episode with james and it's the first episode you've ever listened to um then please go and have a look in the back catalogue because my god i think there's probably 70 odd episodes now uh with the likes of 808 Stay, Julian Marley, oh God, Mystery Jets, Chic, um, blimey. I'm not going to list them all because I'll be here all day, but go and have a look because there's a, a huge archive of producers, musicians, actors, comedians, DJs. So go and have a look and see which ones uh, appeal. Um, and if you want any further content, I also put a standalone episode out each week over on Patreon. I'm done talking. I'll see you next week. Thanks again. Bye-bye. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I've butted in yet again. I just want to quickly tell you about this magazine. It's called Pod Bible. Now, Pod Bible is the new essential guide to podcasts. It's put together alongside Spotify and Acast. And it's a one-stop shop to tell you all about the podcasts you maybe know about but definitely about a load of the podcasts that you probably don't know about that we think you should know about. I mean, in the first edition, there's interviews with Adam Buxton, interviews with Craig Parkinson, um, there's features on Jade Adams, and there's just an abundance of information about so many exciting podcasts that are out there. Also, Spotify have given us these amazing little codes, so if you do get a print copy, you can just turn on your Spotify on your phone, Scan the little code and it just automatically opens up the podcast on your listening device. How good's that? If you haven't managed to get a print copy, then just go over to www.podbiblemag.com and read it online because the digital version is all over there and it's all free. So every other month there'll be a new edition out. So go and have a look and support us on the social medias as well. Podbiblemag.com it's off the beat and track podcast on the distraction pieces network with me stew with it planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.